Welcome to the Political R&D Podcast. I'm Robbie Krieger-Smith. And I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. We bring political analysis and commentary on events in Alberta and Canadian politics. We discuss policy and look for expert insights into topics relevant to government, policymakers, and issues that face voters. Deirdre. Hi, Robbie. So today's segment is called? No Home Improvement. No Home Improvement. And we're looking at some of the broken promises and bad behavior in Alberta's new legislature. So one of the stories that has been circulating is about the decorum in the legislature and a particular incident that has been dubbed earplug gate which is so unoriginal <laughs> didn't didn't somebody say before that we should stop just adding gate to these things oh it's so lazy <laughs> i forget what somebody else had come up with a really witty name for it i'll have to go and try and find that because i was like oh this is this is really smart um so the coles notes version of this the ndp has been opposing the ucp pretty much unilaterally Mm, on, on everything um but there was discussion and debate on one of the bills that the UCP had proposed. And Thomas Dang initially tweeted that he had seen Jason Kenney handing out earplugs to MLAs and joking about, here, you'll need these so you don't have to listen to him. Right. And then David Egan was actually responding to or debating the bill in question and in Hansard actually says you know I I see some of the members opposite have earplugs in and something to the effect of I wonder how they're going to hear me with those earplugs in and this isn't appropriate behavior that type of thing so it's actually a matter of record and wasn't challenged there was no point of order raised that in fact there was multiple UCP MLAs that were wearing their earplugs. So the initial response was what from the UCP? Oh, the initial response uh, came through the communications department. Christine Myatt came out and said uh, this was all just, this was a lighthearted kind of joke uh, to boost morale. Uh, Now they did say as well that he had been, forced to listen to NDP insults and lies and fear and smear. Yeah. I don't remember fear and smear. Anyways, yeah. but that was the that was the first thing that came out. Yeah. And you actually had Doug Schweitzer as well in a media availability in the media room saying that it was just a joke trying to pick up the spirits of the MLAs because they'd been working so hard. Yeah. Um, and being an MLA is admittedly an incredibly hard job and 
I would say that this legislative session, particularly so because they've been sitting very late, very frequently, sometimes mm-hmm. overnight, I think five or six times that I can recall just off the top of my head where they've sat for more than 24 hours continuous. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're trying to break all the records. <laughs> they are indeed. So then, curiously enough, the media picked up on this and started to criticize the UCP and even some conservative commentators like Rob Breckenridge, like Charles Adler, were weighing mm-hmm. in about how inappropriate this was and how problematic it was and disrespectful. And then the story changed a little bit, didn't it? <laughs> the story changed a lot. <laughs> uh, so it was, was it power and politics? Yeah, on power and politics with uh, Vashi Capellos. He said during that, actually, now I don't remember exactly what he said to you. Yeah, so he was saying that one of the MLAs suffered from tinnitus. Right, tinnitus. Yeah, and (laughs) that they had Uh... been measuring the decibel levels in the legislature, which is apparently something that the legislature doesn't do yeah well yeah so that was a bald-faced lie um but the premier made the assertion that the ndp mlas were yelling and screaming to the tune of 100 decibels (laughs) in the legislature and so this person with tinnitus had to wear earplugs but that's not really how tinnitus works, as I understand it. No, and I am so, so happy that, uh, that this person followed me. So she's she's out of Edmonton, and I'm going to find the exact tweet because this was just mic drop. Um, so she's out of Edmonton, and... She put out a post. Tinnitus is a phantom perception disorder that's neurologically based on the brain producing a response in the absence of sound input. Earplugs can worsen ringing because it amplifies ringing without external stimuli. Not from Google, but I do have a PhD in neuroscience. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just fantastic, right? Just like, this is total bullshit. Oh, yeah. Uh, So, so thrilled that she showed up on Twitter. Yeah, Um, well, and having been on a board with somebody who had a really bad case of tinnitus, earplugs exacerbate the problem. They don't help it. That's right. Yes. Uh, So that was, people didn't seem to respond well to that one either. Yeah. Right, to that that, uh, turn, I guess. And now, again, any repercussions? There hasn't really been any repercussions. The NDP did ask Speaker Nathan Cooper to find Premier Kenny in contempt of the legislature, but he said that that was an extreme step that he wasn't prepared to take. However, he did say that the NDP was justified in being upset about the conduct and that both the NDP and the UCP were basically behaving like children in the house (laughs) smarten up (laughs) yeah so this uh promise to raise the level of decorum has obviously been broken yes 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 oh and 
So the next promise that we're going to look at is actually a promise that the NDP made while they were in government, but the UCP government has broken it. And that is the construction of a super lab in Edmonton, Mm -hmm. which was announced on June 20th. Yeah. And that the reason that this sits under a UCP broken promise is more so because the super lab in its construction is providing jobs. Uh, the super lab in its completion would be providing uh, services to Albertans. So this is, uh, you know, Jason Kenney promised to create jobs, not kill them. He also promised to maintain, you know, the best services in our publicly funded health system. So it's kind of this this one uh Oh my gosh, I'm still sick. Uh, this this one cancellation actually covers a number of things that the UCP made promises about. That the cancellation of the super lab actually goes against a couple of them. Mm-hmm. This is a policy that I don't really have much of a problem with. And for me, the things that are important to me to maintain publicly funded single system delivery are kind of your core health services and i would say that lab services would be a support healthcare service and i'm not convinced 100 percent that having a publicly operated publicly owned lab is necessarily the best approach in terms of efficiency in terms of cost in terms of results in terms of accountability and my personally held view is that when it comes to some of these support services and i would classify laundry in there as well is that having a private contractor with government oversight that maintains and ensures standards are met is probably the best approach in terms of sustainability and financial prudence Now, the problem that I do have, though, is that when the government of Alberta makes a commitment, whether that's a construction commitment or signing a contract with CN Rail, which we could talk about in terms of these broken commitments, backing out of them. Because we changed government. Because we changed government carries with it a cost to the taxpayers. There's penalties that we're going to pay. Mm -hmm. And the other thing it does, in my view, is if I'm a construction company or if I'm a railway that's looking at signing a contract with the government of Alberta, in the last, we'll call it six or seven years, there's this real nasty habit of when there is a change of government that those contracts aren't worth the paper that they're written on. Mm -hmm. And they get torn up on a political whim. And I think about the power purchase agreements under the NDP. I think about this construction of the super lab and the company that had been contracted to do that construction. And now all their workers and all their plans are kind of thrown aside. And my guess is that there's going to be significant financial penalties that are going to be quite staggering when this is all said and done as a result of the cancellation of the super lab. Yeah. And again, let's go back to uh, 
we can go back to another Jason Kenny promise of restoring investor confidence. Mm -hmm. And this is not something that restores investor confidence. No. And, you know, Alberta, for as much as we look at a 44-year dynasty and these long-sitting governments that we have had, one of the things that must have done was provide some investor confidence. Now, you know, other provinces manage, right? But then they also switch back and forth more regularly. Totally. So they might not have this, um, and I don't want to say that it's petty, you know, uh, cancellation of certain things. Sometimes I, yeah, I don't want to call it petty just at this time. What I will say is that it, uh, there's a there's a possibility that in other jurisdictions where they do change government more often, maybe there is more of a uh, and we're in a weird situation too because I mean we went from we went from a, a more of a center right governance to a left wing governance. I don't care how far they came to the center. There were still some things in their platforms and in their policies that were definitely leaning more to the left. We get over to the UCP, who I don't think that they even know where left is, because where they are, there is nothing but, uh, you know, definitely right wing policy decision making. So we've we've done a we've done something here that maybe isn't as. Uh, natural of a government transition where mm -hmm. we're actually moving from, you know, one extreme to the next. And it's, it actually definitely concerns me about this whole idea of investor confidence. Alberta hasn't changed governments for 44 years. We finally did change a new government and then we made them a one-term government and flip side to yeah. policy decisions, right? This could actually be something that uh you know actually hurts us in the long term because investors could really be looking at the situation in alberta saying you know what maybe let's hold on for five or six you know like let's get through another election before we decide because what is going on in alberta all of mm -hmm. a sudden we're not we're not providing investor confidence and yeah a new government came in twice in 40, uh, almost 50 years, a new government came in and absolutely flipped things. So yeah, this is, this is a problem. Yeah. And so then that kind of dovetails into another commitment that was made by the NDP in terms of trying to diversify our economy and support an emerging tech industry for a lot of people, they don't know that Alberta is actually number three in the world for artificial intelligence and machine learning. Right. And under the Notley government, they committed $100 million over five years to try and help grow and attract and retain artificial intelligence companies in the province. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so there was a news story circulating this week that that has been put on pause by the UCP while they review whether or not that investment is fiscally responsible. And you had, uh, they're called the Alberta Machine Intelligence Institute, or I believe it's pronounced AMI, 
which is yeah. an Edmonton-based nonprofit, but they're one of the world leaders in AI, and they were looking at securing office space downtown in Calgary. Right. And uh, so this this is so crazy to me that the UCP is not just like going all in on this because their core base of support is Calgary. And you've got the downtown core that is just starving for tenants and has skyrocketed vacancy rates. And you've got this big high tech company that wants to come and invest there. And they're not prepared to do that because of the signals the UCP is sending. Mm-hmm. And uh, so again, you know, maybe broken commitments is a better term <laughs> for some of these things. But, you know, to me, this one, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Because even if we continue to be oil and gas primarily based artificial intelligence and machine learning has so many applications in that industry to make us more efficient and effective mm-hmm. that it's a bit of a no brainer. And it's, I know we've talked about this before. It's kind of the and economy, right? So yeah, we're going to do energy development and, and natural resource development, but it's like plussing it up and adding value to it and, and, making sure that we have opportunities for engineers and for, you know, graduates of in Edmonton, our AI programs as well. Right. And so I just think this is really short sighted and back to that topic of, you know, bringing jobs to Alberta and diversifying our economy and helping Calgary get back on its feet. There's just so many downsides to not being very clear in terms of supporting this. Mm -hmm. We first heard about uh, what was going on in Edmonton. And by we, I mean people who are not in the tech industry like me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I'm not tech savvy. I have no idea what's going on with it. It's not definitely an area I do not keep up with. So what a shock back in 2017, it was July of 2017, when, um, when Google brought in... Uh, oh, what was it called? It's not um, Deep Deep Mind. Deep Mind, yes. So, Deep Mind is uh, one of Google's flagship uh, artificial intelligence uh, research labs, and because of our researchers, three of our three in particular of our researchers at the University of Alberta, uh, Google Mind wanted them to be working on things as well with them. And so they opened up their first or made a commitment to open up their first research lab outside of the United Kingdom in freaking Edmonton. Okay. This was huge. Like, uh, okay. Right. Wow. This is different. Like I didn't know that that's what was going on in Edmonton, but that was something that really brought it together. And, uh, the federal government actually uh, they announced in December that they or sorry December of 2017 they were building a pan-Canadian framework uh, looking at kind of putting some some boosts into these these research departments so there are three hubs in Canada uh, one is in Toronto one is in Montreal the other one is in Edmonton. Yep. Okay, like 
we have three world-renowned AI uh, programs in our country. One of them is here in Alberta. So uh, right off the top, I mean, you know, you expect it to be in Toronto. Sure, it's in Montreal as well. Okay, right. These are two of the biggest cities in in the country. The other one is in Edmonton. This is something that's been going on, you know, under the radar, so to speak, uh, under our noses. And we have an opportunity, you know, uh, the NDP looked at it and said, yes, we're going to invest in this. And the thing is, Jason Kenney committed $30 million. I'm assuming this is $30 million a year because the NDP, when they ran their uh, pro-pipeline campaign, it was, you know, less than a year long and it cost like something like $23 million. Uh, so, or was it 31? Anyways, it was really close to being around the same amount. So this is something I'm assuming is going to be a yearly investment that Jason Kenney is willing to make in his freaking war room. And he's questioning the fiscal responsibility of investing in one of our major uh, emerging, emergent industries. And that's the thing too, is that Amy has been running for 15 plus years. Yeah. Right. That's the thing that kind of wants to make me smack myself a little bit too, is that I had no idea this existed. And then you find out that, Oh, you know, we've got a 15 year history and you're like, Oh, well, that's actually quite a long time. Um, this is not, and, and, and especially like you said, in tandem with the oil and gas industry, the oil and gas industry has been investing already in AI technology, they are bringing in their driverless trucks, right? They're, they're looking at how they can do the mining without people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they're already investing in this and Jason Kenny saying, is this fiscally response? This is just stupid. This is stupid. (laughs) Absolutely. 100% stupid. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Go. Tell me how you really feel. (laughs) No, it's a good point though and you know it it's funny you say like they amy's been around for 15 years but it's like that old adage it takes a lot of time to become an overnight success right 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 but no definitely um you know i i was talking with a former ucp candidate actually last night uh who ran in the last election and they were just saying how disappointed they are both in the ucp and in the ndp in how the business and the legislature has been going and just how acrimonious it's been. And they were really disappointed that the Alberta party hadn't won some seats in there because they're being very turned off even by their own party with the division and the acrimony so far in this session. And they don't think that it's going to get any better. And so they're thinking about or looking at potentially what needs to happen to get other parties into the legislature. So I thought that was really interesting coming from somebody who's in the UCP. Well, and I mean, in a way off topic, but I'm there, right? Like there were people who were like, oh, you know, Deirdre's such an NDP booster. I'm, I'm not though. 
Like, yeah. yes, I'm very critical of, of the UCP and I was very critical of them because I guess I saw their opportunity to become government. And so that was, you know, that was my focus. But the thing is that as much as I kind of like a lot of the people who represent the NDP personally, I miss my voice. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I have a voice in the legislature. I, you know, I, I debated at some point within the last month and a half of, you know, can I write them and say, Hey, you know, can, can some of you guys maybe take like a more centrist position and <laughs> like fight for us? Because, but it's tr- like it, but that's exactly how I feel. I don't feel like I've got a voice in the ledge um i don't expect i don't expect a ucp the ucp anyone from like that's sitting in that that caucus right now to stand up and do it because they can't yeah right i feel like i'd have more luck getting the ndp to try and you know can can you represent this because it's it's not just black or white and that's what it feels like right that's what we're being presented. It's either this or it's this. No, it's not. There is something really missing in our legislature right now. And, well, definitely not in our political discourse, because here we are talking about it. But, yeah, but yeah, that's, uh, there have to be more than two parties. When was the last time there were only two parties? Uh, it was in the 90s. And that was liberal NPC. Right. Liberals and PCs. Yeah. The NDP yeah. were shut out. I want to say in the 1993 election. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That might make sense. 93 or 97. I'm almost thinking 97. Cause isn't that when Lawrence decor almost beat uh, Klein? Uh, I researched <laughs> this recently. Uh... See, now if we had my notes. My problem is my notes are on my computer and they're not open in front of me. <sighs> Okay, 1997. Are you looking up 97 or 93? I'm looking up 93. Okay, I'm looking up 97. We almost need some Jeopardy music. This will require significant editing. Yeah, it was 93. It was 93. Yeah, under Ray Martin, they went from 16 seats to zero. No, that's federal. Nope. Or wait. That's provincial. Lawrence Decor went from 8 to 32 seats. The PCs went from 59 to 51, and the NDP went from 16 to 0. Okay. Was that the one that Lawrence DeCore almost won then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. Okay. Yeah. The polling was quite close, and uh, they were within five percentage points of each other in the final results. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As of 1997, um, the NDP got two seats back. So, okay, so 1993 was the last time that we had a, a two-party legislature. A two-party legislature. It'd be interesting to have a conversation with someone about what it was like at that time. Mm-hmm. But again, though, those were not polar opposites. No. Nope. So, yeah, we're just in this weird place in Alberta right now. Yeah, and in that election, um, <laughs> this is a totally random tangent, but the <laughs> liberals had actually shifted quite a bit to the right. And oh, okay. they were running on a very fiscally conservative platform and critical of the PC's fiscal responsibility. Oh, okay. 
yeah. well, and that's kind of where you have to be, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, in, I guess, like, yeah, that all comes comes down to some of those, you know, like you said, like the, the broken promises is, it's a big, it, it is a big deal. You know, we might look at it and say, well, we elected this government, we wanted them to do this. Again, this is where, this is where populism mm -hmm. uh, does not give good governance. Yeah. Because you need to be able to make tough decisions based on the the much bigger picture, which especially in Alberta right now, for all of the reasons that I've said, uh, investor confidence cannot be strong about our province right now. I don't care how low Jason Kenney puts those taxes, because if people are thinking, hey, if the NDP has a chance of winning next term, those taxes are going right back up. Mm -hmm. This is a problem, right? It doesn't matter how much he lowers them. Like, and I've said before, in 1993, 1992, uh, corporate taxes were 6% in Alberta. Yeah. Ralph Klein had to you know, work the debt and they went up to 14.5%. So, you know, flip, flip, flip. Absolutely. And that's probably a good place to end it. It's a so... horrible place to end it, but. <laughs> our, our <laughs> sorry, next... all. Sorry? I said, sorry, all. Oh, all good. So our next segment, what have you titled this? Our next segment is entitled Law and Disorder. Law and Disorder. That also would have worked for this one, really. <laughs> and so we will be back soon with Law and Disorder. See you then. Thanks for joining us for this episode. This has been the Political R&D Podcast with Robbie Krieger-Smith. And Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. Where can people find you, Deirdre? They can find me on Twitter at Mitchell underscore AB. And you can find me online at RKS Alberta. The Political R&D Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Political R&D. Goodbye, Robbie. Goodbye, Deirdre.